0: Amen. Well, good morning. So good to be here together. All right. We got a few awake. I love it. So it used to be the case that John 3.16 was the most well-known verse in the Bible. You'd see it at football games. Uh, Christians were encouraged to memorize it and use it as they shared Jesus with others. It was all over. But sadly, I think that another verse has become more well-known, especially by non-Christians. Though people will still recognize the reference of John 3.16, many would be hard-pressed to tell you what it says. Rather, many are quick to refer to the very verse we're going to look at today. Doesn't the Bible say not to judge? Right. I'm sure you've heard this maybe once or twice or a lot. We're going to look at this verse and the rest of the passage this morning. Kids, we are so excited that you guys are in here uh, this morning. What a great opportunity to get to worship together as a family, to look at God's word together as a family, and even to get to discuss later what we talked about here as a family. So, kids, pay attention, dial in, and either write or draw something that you can talk about with mom or dad later okay excellent also i'll be asking for volunteers a little bit later so be ready to help all right everyone open up your bibles to luke 6:37 luke 6:37 we're about 6 months into our series on the book of luke called the good doctor So let's begin by reading the whole passage together. And as we read it, let's stand in honor of God's word. Luke 6, starting in verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Josh, will you pray? Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So we're going to take this passage in order, taking time to look at each part of the passage. As we do, I want you to catch our theme this morning. Our theme is vertical first. This passage talks a lot about how you're to relate to others. But it is clear in this passage that you need to focus first on what God has done and is doing for you, on your relationship with him. Then you can and will love and care for others in the same way he loves and cares for you. Before we dive in, I want to give a little bit of context because it will help us have the right frame of mind as we go. If we go back to last week's passage, verse 27 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. This whole section is directed to you who hear. Jesus is talking to those that are wanting to listen. But not just listen, but also act on what Jesus is saying. So as we go this morning, I challenge you to really hear what Jesus is saying to you and act on. On it, Whether you write it down, tell a friend, highlight it in your Bible, whatever it is, act on it. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So let's go back to the question we started with, the question posed by many people. Doesn't the Bible say not to judge? What's the answer? Yep, it does, right? I mean, we we see it right here. But there's more to that question and that verse. So we're going to start by talking about the first part of verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Why do people quote this? Is this what Jesus meant? Are we to judge? So let's start with the question why do people quote this? Well, people usually quote this because they're being told that what they're doing is wrong or something along those lines. They feel like they're at the business end of a pointed finger. Does this picture make you feel a little uncomfortable? I hope it does. It does to me. That's where, hey, don't judge me comes from. Usually someone's being told that what they're doing or how they're living is wrong, so they feel like they're being judged. Sometimes they're being called out for an action that they don't want to stop doing. So they're wanting you to not say what you're saying so they can keep on doing what they're doing. Sometimes what's being said isn't even judging. But regardless of the motive, the person is feeling attacked. They're feeling judged. So that's why people quote this. But is this what Jesus meant? Standing by itself, this verse could mean that we're not supposed to point the finger at anyone. But we know that we need to look at Scripture as a whole and not just at verses in isolation. Last Sunday, Dave said that it's important to understand the whole of Scripture. It changes how you act on Scripture. So what does Scripture say? I think one of the most important parts of the section of this verse is the semicolon. See, clearly Jesus wasn't done talking. Let's look at this statement as a whole, starting in verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. He continues on. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. This really clears up some of what Jesus meant by judging. This idea of not judging is part of a bigger idea that Jesus is communicating. It's all about how to treat others. We'll come back to this shortly. But what Jesus is drawing attention to is how we treat others when judging. So, did Jesus mean that we're not to judge with this pointed finger and this angry scowl? Yes, kind of. Let me continue to answer that question by answering the next question are we to judge? See, the challenge that many Christians have with this verse is that elsewhere, the Bible tells us to judge. So there's a question on how to reconcile this. John seven twenty four says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. 1 Corinthians 2.15, the spiritual person judges all things. 1 Corinthians 5.12, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? And then in Matthew 7, the parallel passage to this, Jesus says, judge not that you will not be judged. And then he says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you do you realize that that statement right there requires a lot of judgment? Who are dogs? Who are pigs? What's holy? What are pearls? How do I decide what to do in this scenario? That's all judgment right there. So Jesus says, judge not, but then he tells us we need to do things that require judgment. So what's going on here? So, what does Jesus mean? Should we judge? Well, the answer is the same as Dave's question that he posed last week. Should we take the Bible literally? Well, yes and no. Yes, we should take the Bible literally when we're supposed to take it literally. Yes, we should judge when we're supposed to judge. What matters is what kind of judgment we're talking about. What kind of judgment? The definition of judgment is the ability to make considered decisions or come to sensible conclusions. To judge is to form an opinion or conclusion about. So judging is basically gathering facts and using them to arrive at a conclusion. Now clearly this is something we do often. We need to do this daily. Gathering facts, arriving at conclusions. Gathering facts, arriving at conclusions. Now if judgment defined is that straightforward, then the different kinds of judgment lie not in the process, but in the objective. What's the goal? What am I trying to accomplish by this judgment? We are to judge in the sense of being discerning, judging with the objective to discern. That's something the Bible makes really clear. Again, we read it earlier. John seven twenty four. do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. You see, that's discernment there. You're using discernment. 1 Corinthians two fifteen. the spiritual person judges all things. It's talking about discernment again. Matthew 7, 6, do not give to dogs what is holy. Do not cast your pearls before pigs. Again, that's discernment. Trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong in that scenario. Also, we're to be discerning in our interactions with non-Christians, how to approach them, how to associate with them, how to love them, how to be a light to them. There's lots here in Scripture, especially looking at Christ's example. And I'd encourage you to dive into this question. I'm I'm not even going to get into this. But there's a lot more to discuss with your community group, with your family, with your friends. Also, Matthew 7 talks about knowing a tree by its fruit. This idea is in other places in Scripture too. We're to look at a person's actions to judge how to approach them. Should we treat them as a brother or sister in Christ or as someone who needs to hear about the good news of Jesus? We need to be discerning. So are we to judge? Yes, in the area of discernment. We're also to judge in the sense of helping point other believers in the right direction. Again, we read it earlier. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? And that judgment there, the goal of that is to draw other believers back into the direction that they're supposed to be going. James makes this really clear when he says in chapter five, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Do you see that judgment is required there? How am I supposed to know if a sinner is wandering and I need to, to, to lead them back? I need to be able to use judgment to look at what they're doing, how they're acting. I need to judge to be able to come alongside them and bring them back in the way that they should be going. So yes, we are to judge. But then, so, so what is Jesus talking about here when he says, judge not? Well, we are not to judge in the sense of condemnation. 1 Corinthians 5, I'm going to read even more of it. It says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. So what this passage is talking about is that we're not supposed to condemn or make judgments regarding eternity. That's God's job. And this is what Jesus means as he says not to judge. And that's why the rest of the phrase is so helpful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. That's what Jesus is getting at. Is judgment in the area of condemning. So as you look at passages with directives on judging and not judging, look for the objective. Look for the motive behind the judgment. It really helps understand the passage and put it in the bigger picture of what scripture is trying to say. And as you look at how you approach someone else with judgment, stop and evaluate your motives. Are you condemning? Or are you loving a brother or sister and wanting to point them to the truth? Really stop and consider that before you start judging others. What's your motive behind it? And also... Be sure that you are judging yourself first and foremost. Yes, we're supposed to judge ourselves. Second Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail to meet the test? We're going to talk more about judging ourselves a little later this morning. Now, I understand that this whole idea of judging might still be confusing to some of you. You might have a specific scenario in mind, and you're wondering, well, should I be judging here or not? Are my motives right? Or maybe you're even wrestling with someone else being judgmental towards you and how you need to be receiving it. Are they trying to point you towards truth? Or are they being condemning? I strongly encourage you to take all these questions and keep the conversation going. Talk to a pastor or an elder. Talk to your community group leader, your brothers and sisters in Christ. How do I need to be approaching this situation? Because, yes, there's lots of little details, and my goal is just to give an overview about judgment. But ultimately, how does judging fit with our theme this morning of vertical first? Two things. First of all, judgment begins with judging ourselves according to God's standards. So we need to have this mindset of vertical first when looking to judging others because we've got to get things right up and down first. We've got to be able to judge ourselves first according to God's standards. Then we can turn and judge others. And secondly, we need to take time to understand what God means. Clearly, there's a lot going on in Scripture and we have to take time to judge rightly to to care for God's word rightly. Next, our passage tells us to treat others right. Let's look at verses 37 and 38 as a whole, and I know we've read parts of them already. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. To me, this sounds like the golden rule. Kids, can one of you say the golden rule? Yeah. Perfect. Great job. That's exactly right. Uh, That was straight out of Luke 6.31 in the NIV. That was perfectly quoted. Uh, we, We just looked at it last week. Here it is in the ESV. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now, let's talk a little bit about verse 38 and what's going on here. It says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. What? Okay. To understand this, let's talk about ice cream. Imagine you're standing at the counter. I got to take uh, Gabriel and Micah to Baskin-Robbins yesterday, so they lived this out. Okay, so imagine you're standing at this counter, looking over all the different flavors, right? Finally, you've, you've decided on one, and you're excited about it. You can't wait to eat it. How many of you are getting it in a cup? Okay, how many of you are getting it in a cone? All right, yeah, most people like the, like the cone. So you order and pay for one scoop of ice cream. But how big of a scoop do you want? right? We all want a big scoop. Now we know that a scoop isn't always a scoop, right? Sometimes it's a little bit less. Sometimes it's a little bit more. So maybe you've been, you know, talking to the person behind the counter, like really nice, because you know, like the nicer you are to them, the more times they're going to like dig in there and just get as much ice cream to, to shove into your cup or onto your cone, right? Like a scoop isn't a scoop, and you hope that you're not catching that person that's just like so done, you know, with their day and like, <clears throat> yeah, I scooped. So this is what's going on here. Jesus is talking about something being measured out. Maybe it's grain. Uh, maybe it's put in a basket. Not necessarily like this one, but you get the idea. But instead of just scooping into the basket and calling it good, What the person is doing is they're scooping in and then they're squishing it down and then they're shoving in more and they're even letting it be overflowing, right? The kind of scoop of ice cream that you want. Like pack it in, really give me as much as you can and still call it one scoop. That's what's happening here. Someone is being so generous in how they're giving and they're giving abundantly, Now, these whole verses, everything that Jesus is saying is great advice. But what is motivating these actions? Maybe the motivation is your own benefit. Well, I don't want to be judged, so I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. I don't want to be condemned, so I'm not going to condemn. I I want to be forgiven, so I'm going to forgive. So if I do these things, then these things will happen to me, right? (sighs) Wrong. No, absolutely not. If I want to be forgiven, like I I have to forgive so that I'll be forgiven. Doesn't that sound like works-based salvation? For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. See, it's not like Jesus is giving us this list and saying, okay, if you want to be forgiven, here's what you got to do. If you want to receive, here's what you got to do. If you want to not be judged, if you want to not be condemned, here's what you got to do. No. Jesus isn't saying this to show what we can get for ourselves. To see what he's saying, all we have to do is read a few verses before. Look at verses 35 and 36. This was from last week. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. See, the motivation behind these actions is an outflow of what God has done for you. We don't judge because God didn't judge us. Now, yes, he's still the righteous judge, and yes, he's still judging, but he didn't judge us in the sense that he extended grace. Immediately with every single one of us, hell, 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 that's what you deserve. But he didn't do that. He didn't judge. He didn't condemn. So we don't judge because God didn't judge us. We don't condemn because God didn't condemn us. We forgive because God forgave us and we give because of how vastly God has given to us that's our motivation that's what should drive us forward that's how we should go after these things not like, what can I get for myself? Okay, let's see. Uh, if I forgive others, then I'll be forgiven. No, no, no. I'm going to turn around and do this for others because of what God has done for me. That's our motivation. Here again, we need to focus on the vertical first. On how God treats us. And we need to let that impact and motivate how we treat those in our lives. Isn't it easy to condemn your spouse or your kid for not doing their chores? But doesn't the reaction change when we consider how slow God is to condemn us? Isn't it easy to withhold forgiveness from someone who has wronged you? But doesn't the reaction change when we consider how much God has forgiven us? And let's not forget, too, that none of us are even capable of doing this on our own. I'm I'm really good at judging others. I'm really good at condemning. I'm really good at not forgiving. It comes naturally to me. But it's God's spirit within us that allows us to not judge that allows us to not condemn, that allows us to forgive, that allows us to give in the way that he has called us to. It's God's spirit within us that allows us to do any of these things. We are not capable of them on our own. Next in our passage, we're faced with a question of who to follow. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. All right, kids. No, not you. You were here for service. <laughs> I need two volunteers. There's one. And I already heard from you. There's one. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. Okay. Hi, ladies. Who's a good... F- Who's a good leader? You're a good leader, okay? Uh, Not actually a good leader. (laughs) No, are you a good leader, Brooklyn? No. Who, who wants to lead? Uh, One of you needs to be the leader. I'll be the leader. Okay, you'll be the leader. All right, thanks, Gloria. All right, go ahead and put that on, Brooklyn. Okay. Now, see, now Brooklyn needs a leader, right? Mm -hmm. Because she can't see anything. Now, in this room, there are two stuffed animals. I'm, I'm going to show you where they are, Gloria. Okay. See them? See where they are? Uh-huh. Okay, good. Now, your job is to lead Brooklyn to those stuffed animals. And if you're both able to get there, then you can each take one home. Okay? Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> but we're going to make it a little bit more difficult for you. Go ahead and put on this blindfold. <laughs> Okay. You all set? You know what you're doing? Okay. So in just a minute, you are going to lead Brooklyn to where those stuffed animals are. Okay. All right. You ready? Go for it. Yep. You're doing great. Good job. Oh, watch out. Watch out. Oh, okay. You're fine. You're fine. Keep going. Keep going. Yep. You're doing awesome. Yeah. You're doing good. Brooklyn, how are you feeling right now? So-so? <laughs> How's she doing at leading you? Hey, Brooklyn, I'm going to give you an option. Would you like me to lead you instead? No? <laughs> Here, let me give you a different option. Would you like your dad to lead you instead? Brooklyn? No? <laughs> Sorry, Gria, I tried. <laughs> All right, girls, go ahead and stop. Take off your blindfolds. Take a look at how close you are to those stuffed animals. Hey, Gloria. (laughs) I moved them. Here, you guys can go ahead and take them. You can keep those blindfolds too if you want. Give it up to them. There you go. Uh, so we're going to draw out a couple things in these verses here. <laughs> and our wonderful volunteers helped us visualize this just so well, didn't they? Uh, first of all, how to lead. To be a good leader, you need to know where you're going. Now, Gloria, you, you did such a great job, but, you know, I, I kind of tricked you a little bit, right? Yeah, but you were leading as, as best as you could. But a good leader has to be able to see where they're going. Has to be able to see where they're going. The commentator Leon Morris said it this way, the Christian cannot hope to act as a guide to others unless he himself sees clearly where he's going. So there's a little bit of instruction here in that regard. There's also instruction in regards to how to follow. The failure and methodology of following had nothing to do with faithfulness. And Brooklyn, I love how faithful you were to Gloria. Yep, like she is gonna lead me and I'm gonna stick with her. You were given the option to follow me, which I understand you're not trusting, but like you were given the option to follow your dad, which maybe there's some conversation that needs to happen over lunch today. Uh, (laughs) But uh, clearly it has everything to do with who the leader is. Right? Following has everything to do with who the leader is, more so than the faithfulness of the follower. Following requires judgment. To follow well, you need to pick the right leader. Again, this comes back to the type of judgment. This is discernment. This isn't condemnation. You're not being condemning to say to someone, I'm not going to follow you. Rather, you're being discerning and choosing who the right person is to follow. Now, what this passage really speaks to is who to follow. And this is where it all comes back to the theme of vertical first. Yes, we can see instruction for how to lead well. Yes, we can see instruction on how to pick good people to follow. But really, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is pointing to himself as the leader to follow. He's setting himself apart from the Pharisees. In fact, in Matthew 23, Jesus calls the Pharisees blind guides. They are the blind leading the blind. But even here in the book of Luke, Jesus has been establishing himself as a different kind of person to follow than the Pharisees. He forgives the sins of a paralytic, making it evident that he has the authority to do so. He spent time with sinners, something that the Pharisees would never do. He heals on the Sabbath, something else the Pharisees would never do, not that they could anyway. And then he's been speaking in a way contrary to the Pharisees. As people would think of disciples and teachers, as they were hearing Jesus talk about this, they would think of the Pharisees and their disciples. Because there was always this lofty goal of like, someday I'm going to be the disciple of a Pharisee, and someday I'm going to follow them. And that's where their mind was. But Jesus here is pointing to himself as the teacher to follow. Now, it's obvious to us, but it wasn't so obvious to them. But Jesus is trying to help them get there. Okay, we're down to our last two verses. But before we get there, I need one more volunteer. Yeah, go ahead and come on up. Oh, sorry, Jacob. I pointed past you. Yeah. (laughs) Come on up. Okay. Have you ever played the game Operation? Yes. Yes. Good. It's right behind you. Now, for those that don't know how operation works, this is a great game. We've been practicing a lot at home. That's why I couldn't pick one of my kids, um, because they'd just knock it out of the park. The goal is to pull out these little plastic things with these tweezers. But these tweezers are metal, and the things around where each of these plastic things are also metal. And if you touch metal to metal, you get a buzz and a red light, right? So that's what you don't want to do, right? You know that. You're an expert at this. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead and pull out any one of those things, any one of those items. Oh, oh, good. Oh, you buzzed. Okay, that's all right. I want you to try again, um, but this time I'm going to try to help you out a little bit, see if, see if I can make it a little easier for you. Okay, go ahead, pick up those, and I'm going to put this right in front of your face. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. You got this. You got this. I believe in you. Yeah, get in there. Get one. You got it. You got it. Oh, you buzzed. Oh, you buzzed again. Try one more time. Go for a different one. That one might be a little easier. Yeah, try that one. Try that one. Go for it. Yeah, but this is right here. You got it. You got it. Oh, 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 you got it. Oh, you got it. Oh, nope. You got it. Oh, oh, good try. Hey, give it up for her. Here, have some candy. Good job. You did a great job. All right, adults, any one of you want to (laughs) I love it. Let's read verses 41 and 42. Oh, operation. Yep. Okay. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Aren't visuals helpful? (laughs) Jessica, thank you so much. You did such a great job. Was it a little bit harder or a little bit easier with the branch in front of your face? Maybe a little bit harder? You think so? Yeah, it is, right? (laughs) The, The precision required... To, to get these little plastic pieces out, it's just frustrating as an almost 40-year-old guy. You know, I've got a couple years. But, like, e- even as an adult, like, it's just frustrating. Like, this is a kid's game. I should knock this out of the park. I can't. But then to put something in front of your face and still try it. But you see what I'm getting at here. I love these visuals. But here, Jesus is coming full circle. He's bringing us back to the whole idea of judging. Now, again, we talked about how we're not to be condemning with our judgment ever. That's what Jesus is talking about. But also, we shouldn't be judging others with the goal of trying to bring them back, trying to point them in the right direction, which is something we are called to do, but we're not to do it if we've got something that's in the way. If we've got our own log, branch, Whatever that's in the way. No, I got this. I'm going to help you. I promise. I've got steady hands. Forget it. We're not to judge with the heart to help others if we have issues getting in the way. So I think a worthwhile question to ask as we look at this passage what's a log? When, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? But then, when it talks about uh, taking the log out of your own eye, what, what's a log? What constitutes a log? Well, I think there's two extremes to look at here. Thank you for raising your hands. That was more of a rhetorical question. You can ask your parents what it means by a rhetorical question. But thank you, kids, for being dialed in. That's great. I think there's two extremes when we look at this idea of what's a log. One extreme is uh, someone could say, oh, there's never a log. No, I I don't ever have logs. I'm sure some other people do, but not me. I'm fine. Sure, I've got things that I'm working on, but the issue with the other person is right there. I'm just going to jump in and point it out. It's worth taking a little time to pray over your conversation with that person to take some extra self-examination time. I've seen it happen too often when the person that's pointing out sin in others is struggling with that very sin, himself or herself, but they just either refuse to see it or don't see it. Or they don't struggle with that sin at all and feel a sense of superiority instead of humility, but they've got other sins that are hugely in the way and they're just ignoring it. Some people march around this idea, ah, there's never a log. As you see someone else, someone else struggling, as you see someone else in pain, before approaching them, approach the throne. Vertical first, remember? You might say, God, I see my brother or sister struggling in this area. How am I doing in this area? Where do I need to be growing? Should I wait on approaching them? See the humility here? So, some people are are very extreme in that way. Ah, there's never a log. But I think there's another extreme there's always a log. Ben, I'm always going to have issues going on. I'm never going to be perfect. How can I be expected to ever even get the log out of my own eye, much less be good enough that I can go and try to remove the speck out of someone else's eye? Now, granted, there are some things that are big enough that it will take considerable time to work on, and rightly so. If your marriage is falling apart, it's not time to jump in and start serving in a ministry if you're harboring resentment and are unwilling to forgive someone, it's not time to point someone else in the right direction. It's the blind leading the blind. But some of you have more to give than you realize. The body of Christ needs you. Your church needs you. So celebrate where God has brought you. Keep working on the things that he's bringing to light and go pour into someone else what he has poured in to you. Again, approach the throne first. God, I see my brother or sister struggling in this area. How am I doing in this area? Where do I need to be growing? Should I wait on approaching them? Or should I go And help them. What would you have me say? It all comes back to the vertical first. When we judge others, we need to first be judging ourselves according to God's standards. The way we treat others comes first from the way that God treats us. And we're only able to treat others the way that they should be treated because of God's spirit within us. There's only one leader truly worth following. And we need to continually be before God, pleading with him to make us more like him every day. As I invite the band up, I just want you to listen again to our passage with this idea of vertical first in your mind. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. God, we need you. It all begins and ends with our relationship with you. So God, please, as we're looking around at others, how to treat others, let us remember how you treat us and let that motivate us. As we're looking at how to love others and care for others, God, let us make sure that our hearts before you are right first. God, that's where we need to grow more than anything else is just in our relationship with you. So I pray, God, that you would continue to draw us to you and help us to focus on you. Be thou my vision.